Let's begin, shall we? Mila, oh, so nice to meet you. Let me make sure I can get this mic going. Give me a test. Say hi. Hi, Christy. Oh, hi, Mila. So nice to meet you. And now you feel right at home. This is your first interview, first time up at KZMU. And you've been in Moab for about a year already. Is that so? year and a half, just about. Gosh. So you got here right about as COVID was happening, and you were trying to get a feel for the community, but they were shuttered pretty much. <laughs> um, so welcome to Moab. And you've learned a lot in a year, I'm sure. I have. And I, I actually got here just before COVID started, and I count myself among the lucky ones to be here during our COVID spring. Yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful and quiet and mm. so many birds, and I think I really got to see the Moab of, of old. That, that, that we really would like to return it to. And uh, so uh, before we dive into the goals, the ambitious goals that Moab City has set for both the uh, institution of the city itself, uh, the, the organizational government, and, and also the residents of the area, tell me where you came from. So most recently, I was living in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, and before that, I spent a lot of time in California, and I actually grew up on the East Coast. Where on the East Coast? I grew up in New Jersey. And I'm secrets out. I try to keep that under wraps. Well, it's the Garden <laughs> State, and talk about a place that was just completely, oh, rich, verdant, way more uh, wildland than you would think. You think of New Jersey, and you do not think trees necessarily you think mm -hmm. asphalt right but uh i sense a thread that the natural world just took you west did, and you landed in jackson and you were there and, and did you study sustainability um i worked some on it i was actually doing some more uh, restoration work with wetlands and sagebrush mm. and then uh doing some guiding naturalist guiding too for kids and adults in the tetons it must have been transformative it's an amazing place. Conservation is one of their number one values up there. So it really shows in pretty much everything in town and in the surrounding lands. And yet, <laughs> with all of that value system and all of that planning and all of those efforts to keep it real up in Jackson, what happened? Well, one of the most important components of sustainability, so there's three, there's the social, the economic, and then the environmental. And, you know, I think Jackson does a lot of things right. They got the quality of life really dialed. They've got the environmental piece, you know, through the roof. And then that economic part is really tricky. So I left because there was no way for me ever to find a place to live. It was too unaffordable. It's all, you know, so many second homes. It's just prices are absolutely absurd. I know people think it's expensive here, but holy moly, it's just unreal up there. Jackson has the uh, dubious distinction of having the highest income disparity out of any community in the entire country. Quite dubious. And here we are in the greased rails of that vision on the horizon. Uh, and there are people that are worried about it, but it's a tough nut to crack, especially this economic piece when the wheels of this sort of uh, flip, repeat, um, drive up the prices, get what you can, that kind of thing starts to happen. So you've already told me, just full disclosure, that your experience in Jackson was one of the reasons that you said, I've got to go work someplace where we've got a crack at this. 
Tell me Definitely. about that. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was so excited to come to Moab because I think there's so much opportunity here to get it right, um, which is just, it's awesome. There's a phenomenal community. It's not, you know, the, the people here are really passionate and um, care about their neighbors and about what happens and about, um, you know, keeping Moab actually going in the same sort of way that it is now versus just completely turning over into a, you know, kind of... Uh, wealthy playground, which is what uh, some of Jackson has become. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have, you know, a lot of really smart and interesting, intelligent people that are working on solutions to this problem. Um, you know, there's the uh, some of the developments that are going in down on Spanish Valley. There's, you know, there's all of our community organizations working to help people, community rebuilds. Then we've got all the Hasu houses. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity here to be able to make a real difference and keep people living in the community that they work in. Well, to me, that's a breath of fresh air because, of course, the people that have lived to see this sort of turn into what it is today, uh, you know, there's a lot of difficulty seeing that 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 point that you're talking about hasn't already occurred uh having this you know knowing what it was like to have it all to the self Mm -hmm. and now truly we've got some we've got some capacity problems and not just that but re-sustainability uh you know regarding sustainability i would like you to take um just an extemporaneous try at telling me what your definition of it is Sure. I mean, I think it's really just being able to, at its essence, it's being able to continue indefinitely, you know, Mm -hmm. a regenerative system that uh, never depletes the resources that go into it. Um, You know, so for me, that that is all of those components. It's a community component, an environmental component, um, and an economic component. So, you have all these different systems working together, and as long as you're not depleting the resources in any of them, then you'll be able to go on indefinitely. I read in the great report, there's a wonderful plan. I totally recommend you go check it out on the moabcity.org website, and just or maybe just Google Sustainability Moab City, and it will take you into a plan, some of which was adopted in the... Uh, teens, I think 2016, and another version that happened in 2020. Uh, so I recommend that you go take a look at it and be aware that it's um, probably in a shift again as as the conditions do. Uh, the city of Moab has adopted goals that um, are aiming at this quality of life and recommends that the city aim for 25% reduction in the per capita water consumption over the next five years and that the city reduce outdoor usage of culinary water by 25% in that same period. You also have some um, pretty ambitious goals for energy, uh, proportionate use of non-renewable fuels, this kind of thing. Really trying to um, lean in, as it's often said, at the overwhelming issue of climate change. Um, uh, Before I ask you the question to dive in about that plan and what some of those goals are and just kind of how, you know, what does this mean? What I love is the quote that is in this plan at the uh, frontispiece. It says, sustainability is equity over time. Think of it as extending the golden rule through time. Do unto future generations as you would have them do unto you. This by Robert Gilman from the Context Institute, and I'm so moved by that. 
uh, sentiment, that idea, that goal. Um, it, it means flipping our modus operandi kind of on its head. If we're really going to do that, our culture is not really set up to think past too very far. I don't personally sorry soapbox absolutely you, you go go <laughs> tell us everything well it's funny you're reminding me of a conversation i had with a friend this morning who was you know getting worried about a lot of things that were coming up and they just felt like they were really piling on and um i told her that one of my uh one of my favorite things that i have on my desk at all times is a a little um fossil fish mm. uh to remind me of the importance of time scales and perspective and not thinking just you know tomorrow or even a year from now or even five years from now but thinking really far down the road mm -hmm. you know where we all actually hopefully will be someday mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. you know and it's it's important to um to be planning for the distant future and our you know, generations of a future and not just for, you know, our next five years. Do you think it would be kind of plain because Moab in particular with its history and knowing that there are consequences, global consequences, to what was helping people just get by here, you know, this mining town and then having 500,000 years of effect. So thinking long-term, though it's what we're dealing with is hard to grapple with how mm -hmm. how um where should we start you've you've in the plan the city has identified two main prongs to focus on the the top ones of many there are 10 major goals energy and water where do you want to start mm -hmm. what's the hardest yeah so um well to First off, um, the 2020 vision plan is our latest uh, fully adopted um, plan that has sustainability goals. And what we're working on, and I think you can actually see it on the website as well, is our draft sustainability action plan. Um, and that uh, was in draft form, um, I believe a year and a half ago or so. Um, and then it was you know, put down for a little bit during COVID. And that's uh, one of my main tasks coming up here is to put that into uh, an adopted plan that's fully formed. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll probably be coming out in the next year or so. Um, however, first off, we are working on our water conservation plan update. So I think water um, is where we should probably start. Mm -hmm. um, but we also, I know uh, Carly Castle at the city was talking with Molly just, I think last week about the 100% renewable by 2030 commitment that the city has made uh, in conjunction with the House Bill 411 uh, from Utah. So um, energy is pretty much equal in that in importance for us right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whichever you prefer. Well, uh, let's start with water, I think, because we have, uh, again, a, a kind of differently calibrated from what I was reading. There's what the city is going to do at City Hall mm -hmm. and the goals that they have for running the government there. And then there's the ones that have to do with, uh, you know, taxpayers tightening their belts about how much water they use. Talk to us about the impact that way when it's a per capita willing reduction in, sure. in the consumptive model. Yeah, so essentially what we're doing is we are doing our state-mandated water conservation plan update. Um, we're required to do those every five years. All the communities in Utah are. Um, so ours is due this year. 
Um, and as part of that plan, uh, we are detailing the ways in which we will be able to meet the governor's recommended 25% reduction goal. And that's for all Utahns, not just municipalities. Um, what we're also doing is um, we're, we're sort of focusing in on uh, both smart policies at the, at the city level and then also a community outreach and education component as well. Um, you know, I don't see that there's too much of a need for, you know, everybody to just turn off their water and, you know, let it die. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, water your plants, you know, with your sh with your extra shower water. I will say, um, you know, I was with my grandmother was in San Francisco for much of my childhood and I was there visiting her during uh, they had some really severe droughts uh, back in the 90s. Um, and, you know, they, we showered with buckets all around our feet so that we could collect any of the overflow from the shower and mm. then watered the plants with that or gave it to the cats or, you know, used it to wash the dishes. You know, we had really big uh, plastic containers in the toilet tank, so you're just flushing with a tiny little bit. You know, you don't wash your car. It was just, that was just what everybody was doing. So it was emergency. Mm -hmm. Do you think, so you're baking in a few contingencies if we do get to that level well and so we are currently in a state of emergency that was just declared by the by the state um i believe it was last week or the week before um so that is currently our the situation, situation. Okay. yeah um beep, however beep, yes beep. <laughs> um luckily here in moab we don't we aren't facing uh, quite such dire uh, consequences right at this very moment thank you mountains thank you river <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you rainstorms thank you Jane. but i think you know it is really good to be thinking about the ways in which we can just work water conservation into our daily lives so that it doesn't hurt so much and then it doesn't feel like you're you know tightening a belt or anything like that you know, there's a lot of opportunity um, for sort of passive water conservation. Ooh, give me one. Um, so one of the things that we are going to be pursuing is a lot of uh, resources for people about xeriscaping, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you use a lot of runoff, you use a lot of uh, just, you know, rain that comes down, really natural water sources and plants that don't need a ton of extra irrigation. Um, you know, once some of our desert trees are established, then they're able to tap into the shallow aquifer and they won't need any supplemental irrigation during the summer. Um, there's a lot of shrubs, you know, a lot of our native plants, you know, obviously our, our hills, some of them are bare, but a lot of them have plants that grow all year round. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these desert adapted plants are able to do that. Um, and the more that we use those in our landscapes, then the less irrigation water that we need. So maybe just pointing out that we're not an English garden here on the Colorado Plateau and this long love affair for lawns. Maybe reconsider the relationship. Maybe. They're pretty water hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Generally the uh, the idea is, or best practices I guess, is that if the only trampling that your lawn sees is from the lawnmower, then you probably don't need it. Um, you know, it's turf grass has a lot of uses, you know, nobody wants to rip out the soccer fields. The parks are absolutely essential mm -hmm. to our quality of life here. You know, I think that's really, you know, worthwhile use. But if your lawn is just being green and that's it, <laughs> then, you know, there could be something else that might be just as enjoyable to the eyes um, that wouldn't use as much water. I remember uh, a time when Jamie Redford, who wrote, uh, produced a film about water um, in the Colorado River Compact, shared a detail about how 
really doable getting the Colorado to the Delta is. There's only, you know, he said 2%. If we could just dial it back 2%, it would get to the ocean. And I thought that didn't sound like a whole lot, even though I know it's probably a great deal. Um, But there are these sort of rubber meets the road moments and the fact that we're kind of in one. Um, I guess what I want to know is, you know, a little bit more about that action plan since we are in emergency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we... um we aren't faced with a shortage at the moment. What we are is just faced with a precautionary situation. So, um, you know, we don't need to have everybody stop their taps. Um, We just need to be aware of our water usage and just be, you know, conscientious, really, conscientious desert dwellers um, and use our water wisely at the moment. Um, However, what we're gonna do in our water conservation plan that will be, um, hopefully we'll have a draft in July, Um, is we will write up a drought management plan, an emergency management plan. So um, there'll be the water board and the um, city council and our public works people will all be working together to draft uh, what those emergency measures, if and when we need to use them, will actually be. Okay, great. Well, uh, you know, when we ring the emergency bell, it, it, it sort of, you know, it triggers a bunch of things. So, yes, a big deal, the water. Uh, And... Don't go thirsty just yet. Okay. Sounds about right. Okay. (laughs) Then let us transition to the energy piece because there's some really exciting things that are happening to try and tackle that from solar, um, some legislation. Um, And here I do know that there's a difference between the goals that are set for renewability and sustainability at the city. And I don't know that I actually saw any kind of... um, I guess, subtracting moves for, or incentivizing, like get an electric scooter and you can get a break on your tax. (laughs) Any kind of ideas like this about how to incentivize people to just chill on their energy usage. (laughs) Um, It's funny you mentioned the electric scooters that actually just came up at a city council meeting, I think last week or the week before. They, uh, Bird is um, interested in potentially coming to with their rental electric scooters in town. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of a contentious issue. So we will revisit the electrification oh. question at some point in the future. Holla. <laughs> but yeah, um, we could, we could just completely go off on that tangent, but <laughs> it's everybody's true. breathing a sigh of relief. We're, we're not. I okay. know. Okay. They are fun though. <laughs> um, but that, that doesn't mean that they're a good idea. Um, so essentially the, right now the city's energy goals are, I would say, largely guided by our 100% renewable by 2030 commitment. Um, and that is a, um, it's a, it's a pretty hard goal. Uh, we were uh, part of the HB 411 um, communities that adopted that goal early on. That's from, it's a Rocky Mountain Power Initiative. They are actually trying to transition most of their power to solar to, or to renewables. Um, and we are, Moab and actually Grand County as well, are one of the anchor communities for this effort. Um, and that means that we are uh, guiding some of the negotiations and with Rocky Mountain Power, and we're you know right there in the beginning with a seat at the table to um, structure this renewable program. 
Um, so that's one of our, that's our major effort right now with renewables. And then, um, you know, I think that <clears throat> one of the things that we would really like to do um, is, you know, encourage better energy usage and use of more renewables just sort of on a community level as well. Um, and so that would include new development, um, current development, uh, you know, looking into things like incentivizing solar and stuff like that. But, you know, that's all in the future. You know, there are those energy checkers to see where you're leaking it at mm -hmm. all of the various places where you do when your home is just a hog for energy. And I don't know that they are too expensive. I'm I'm just mm -hmm. tossing that onto the altar of consideration right now that, uh, you know, free, free checkers for everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a fun little gadget that I've played with in the past is an infrared camera um, that if you shoot that at your home, you can see where you're losing the most heat, which is also pretty neat. So you can see how your insulation is doing. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Right, right around that door jam. And attics, too. Man, you'd be amazed. It looks like houses are on fire sometimes. You look <gasps> at it with the just that heat triangle right there in the roof space. So insulating your attic can do a huge, huge difference. And of course, people uh, talk often about the cost of adapting in this way. And individual homeowners, of course, bemoan and slap their foreheads. What? Um, uh, I guess I want to say pretend I'm one of them um, and I don't have enough to put solar panels on my house what am I going to do I care a lot yeah you know and I think this is one of those time scale questions also it can be really hard to put out that money right away because you really don't see a payoff for many years mm -hmm. um, you know sometimes it depends on the size of the system and the energy that the home is using um, to, for the payoff but you know it can sometimes be as much as 30 years um, but it does increase the value of your home. Um, there are some programs for financial assistance. I don't have the details of those right off the top of my head, but I'd be happy to look into them. There are so many uh, <laughs> wonderful, skilled, professional solar installers right now. In oh, fact, one yes. of our underwriters, Austin Solar, I think I'll just go ahead and plug that in. You're welcome. And so people can get the information, but it still winds up being this sort of gap. Like you said, it's a capacity issue. And some of the needs are steep right now. And I'm wondering if Rocky Mountain Power is is uh, willing to play. They're saying, we want to turn. We want you to turn. Are they prepared to help us do that? Well, Rocky Mountain Power, I think, right now is focused on utility-scale renewables rather than um, individual homeowners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're, they're looking bigger, um, bigger picture. But... You know, I think it's really true with all of the, the sustainability things in general is that, you know, it does require an investment. Mm -hmm. um, and whether that's, you know, your time or your energy or dollars, you know, it's uh, it does require something of an upfront, you know, bump. Mm -hmm. And then the payoff is after time, over time. Um, some of it is immediate. You know, I mean, water conservation, you take out your lawn and and put in a, a zero escaped lawn, then 
you know, you'll see some water conservation gains right right away. And some energy gains but, right and away. And energy gains as well, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you are laying out uh, potentially like, a, you know, a little bit of a financial um, piece for the solar. Um, there's a lot of other a lot of other things that we can do as a community, I think, that are, uh, you know, really just kind of fostering a culture of sustainability. And then the city is really uh, excited about supporting that and aligning with that culture with policy. Mm. So once we have that piece really moving forward, then you know I think that the that that initial activation energy um, is a little bit less and a little bit behind us, and then we just start seeing the gains. I think that there has been an ascendancy in that um, that understanding about where we are positioned as global citizens. Uh, so I think that there is a a rather vibrant culture to that end, to that sustainability that already exists here. Props to everybody that thinks this way. Absolutely. Paint us a picture of the payoff, if we do, and I don't know if we need to paint the picture of <laughs> what happens so. when we don't. This is <laughs> fairly yeah. clear, but why is it important and what can it look like here Sure. If we pull off some of these goals. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I like what you've said about the ascendancy of that culture globally. I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love the most about uh, the field of sustainability and, and that I'm so thrilled about with this position is that um, it's so positive. You mm. know, it's so optimistic. We're mm. talking about solutions all the time. You know, we're just talking about where we can go and where we can get to and how great it's going to be when we're there. Um, so it's just a really exciting field. Um, I highly recommend uh, reading more about sustainability if you want to uh, be inspired. <laughs> what are the ones that are riveting for right. you? What what are, what? Well, so one of the things that I know some of the community members here are really excited about as well is something called Project Drawdown, a book that has, I think it was written in 2016, um, and it details a hundred different uh, uh, ways that we can actually take carbon either out of the atmosphere or just reduce the carbon that we are putting in. Without blotting out the sun? Without blotting out the sun. Nice. None of the, you know, space cloud shield things. Stand it's all things we can actually do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's that's a good one. Um, I really like uh, the podcast Sustainability Defined. That's also a really great resource. Um, there's a bunch. There's How to Save a Planet. There's um, there's a lot of things. I'm actually going to be um, putting together a reading list that you can mm. find at the Grand County Public Library. Um, so stay tuned for that, and we'll have a link to that on our website when that's up and ready. So, Thank you. But Thank yeah, you. I think, you know, as far as our Moab vision, you know, what we win is we get to live here and be living our lives the way that we want to for the indefinite future. Well played. <laughs> and, and not only that, but our kids can have a place to come back to after uh, seeing the world or... <laughs> We can afford some teachers to come. We can have we all of our public service workers also living here. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Uh, what do we want to say about that right now? We didn't talk much. We talked the uh, energy and the water, mm -hmm. but we didn't talk much about the economic thing. Does the city have some goals about how to tackle some of that? You know, we are going to have that as a component of the sustainability plan that will be adopted. Um, but that is not something that I have started to work on quite yet. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there's lots of people thinking about it. 
Um, and I know that uh, Grand County has an economic development coalition, I believe, that has formed, and uh, the Travel Council is also doing economic development. So there's a lot of people thinking about the solutions to that one as well. I've always been very moved by Grand Counties, I, I, if not highest, then among the highest in the state, and I think also the nation, of volunteerism. And so there are people who are very devoted to this idea about making Moab livable into mm-hmm. the long, long next. It's wonderful. Uh, so rich volunteer uh, base, who would you most like to walk into your door and say, I got time? <laughs> anybody. Oh, anybody for <laughs> anybody anything? at all. <laughs> We have plenty of things we could do for anybody that has any kind of skill, resource, capability, energy. If you're interested, you know, we've got something. We're, we're working with the Mark to get some of the uh, Rocky Mountain Power Transformer boxes painted downtown. You know, we'll be doing uh, some activities with the kids camps. Um, you know, but and then we also have some uh, tree planting efforts that we may be going into, and then we have a ton of research needs, and you know, I'm sure we could find something. That's the beautiful thing about sustainability is it pretty much encompasses everything. Mm. Mm. It's delicious. I appreciate it so much. Uh, let's let's close by uh, guiding people a little bit more about how they can get a hold of you if there are any particular places on the city website any concerns that you have that you haven't addressed or any messages of hope and joy that you would like to give to our listening yeah. audience? Um, well, I would love to be talking with people. Anybody that wants to get in touch, um, you know, please contact me. I can be found at sustainability at moabcity.org. Pretty easy email address. Um, you can also find our webpage at sustainability. Um, I guess you can just Google sustainability Moab City. Yes, I have okay. it up. It is moabcity.org forward slash sustainability. Oh, good. There we you did go. get a short URL. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be working on that page over the next couple months. So it's, that will that will change a little bit. Um, and then I'll also be at some of the Market on Center uh, events this year. So when does I'll that start? Has that already there. started? It did. They had the first one. Lord. And the second one, I think, is on See. Thursday. Okay. Well, so. this is why I come to KZMU and do public affairs programs so I can... <laughs> Become in the loop. (laughs) Go to the public events. (laughs) Go to the public events. I I love this. I'm glad it's happening. I just so grateful you could come up to the studio today. Thanks so much for the conversation, Christy. We are going to turn now uh, to a, a mini break, a little baby one, and then be back with some beauty about the left, right, left, right of running for not just health, but you guessed it sustainability. We'll be right back. Took off running! And that is exactly what we are aiming to do. We uh, have a thing that's starting tomorrow, I do believe. Is tomorrow the 18th? Uh, Yeah, Tuesday, May 18th. We have coming right through a really, really beautiful thing that is happening courtesy of the Salt Lake City Air Protectors. And uh, calling in on the studio line any moment now will be Jacob Crane of the Salt Lake City Air Protectors, who are doing a run towards healing. 
unity, and resilience, and it's going to continue this May in partnership with the Utah Division of Indian Affairs and Navajo Strong. Tomorrow, the second annual 2021 Running as Medicine Indigenous Youth Prayer Run. Mm, Just the title of it. Love it. Going to begin from Bears Ears National Monument and conclude in Warm Springs, Utah, this week on the 22nd. So they're trying to run from Bears Ears to Warm Springs over the course of a couple days. 360-mile journey is going to take five days of running. Five days. Mentorship, endurance to draw attention to the issues surrounding COVID-19. So public health and running for it. And so there are all kinds of people that are interested. Um, It's not just now that this is happening and not just for the land, but running, uh, long running, marathon running across the Colorado Plateau is since time immemorial an activity by the indigenous and uh, First Nations people that are part of this area. So what I'm going to do actually is pick up the phone and... Uh, call Jacob Crane and see he was driving down here from Provo and said he was going to call right at 540. I'm going to call him instead and we're just going to see if we can catch him. Hi, is this Jacob? This is Jacob. Jacob Crane, you are live and on the air here at KZMU. Thank you for having me. You can hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. I can hear you just fine. Wonderful. You are on the road right now, and you have runners with you? Yes, ma'am. I do. Wow. Well, here from Moab, we say, hi, runners. Hi. (laughs) They all say hi back. Excellent. If if we can, maybe we'll get one of them to tell us, you know, how they're uh, keeping themselves from shin splints on this deal. Tell us what the plan is and why it's so wonderful. Tell us about your... Your activities starting tomorrow yeah so tomorrow morning we'll get up around 4 30 and drive about ooh, i'd say we leave about you know five o'clock from bluff dwellings hotel and drive out to bears ears national monument well for a morning um prayer small ceremony and we'll gift each of the 10 runners uh, a medicine bundle and then we'll begin the uh prayer run from Bears Ears, and and then we'll eventually just split up into two teams, and you know we'll have each each runner take down their fair share of the the mile, um, heading up towards Warm Springs Park in Salt Lake City. And uh, Bears Ears to Warm Springs Park is about 352 miles, and so um, these ten runners came in from across the country to help uh, fulfill that. Uh, commitment to the community and uplift our community through prayer during these times of uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It's so rich with tradition. I'm I'm so moved by this. For people that might not be at all familiar with uh, indigenous tradition, it reminds me a little bit of the dances that take place that are moving prayers for all the people for whatever particular healing needs to happen. Uh, a, a moving meditation. Uh, do you think that's a fair representation? Is that kind of what all of the runners are doing? Yes, yes. Movement is medicine. Running is medicine. That's that's what they're doing. They're literally running as medicine for the for the greater um, 
for everybody, for the greater community. And I read that it is focused. We're, we're talking about the impacts of the devastation brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. And I know um, a, a, across Native America, uh, it has a very particular flavor, perhaps different than in other communities. Can you talk a little bit about that or uh, about some of the devastation brought on by the pandemic? Some of the things that we just we just want to engage everybody's heart in what you're about to do and have a reminder. Yeah, um, Indian country was, you know, greatly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, there was a, a, a large loss of life, but there was also a loss of um, a lot of opportunities within our communities for folks. Um, the reservation sometimes already is already strained before the pandemic happened. And you add that on top and you get a really um, unstable um, situation happening. And so this prayer run is really um, there to bring prayers and healing to, to our communities and to help bridge, bridge communities together in prayer. Um, through running and so that's kind of what we aim to do here and um yeah and i see also that covid19 safety precautions and social social distancing guidelines still enforced throughout the event but so this means that you'll be running through moab and you're all spaced out you won't be running in a tight little deal give us a picture about what that's going to look like you're you're not running with masks, are you? How is this? Uh, we're not running with masks, but when we enter the cities, usually we, we spread out. Our runners will spread out. Um, if new runners want to come and join in on some of the, the action, we just ask that they run to the side of us. Um, that would keep uh, you know our runners safe because they do kind of um, stick together. So we want to make sure that everybody's protected and um, yeah. You know what I love maybe most of all is reading that the goal of this prayer run is to strengthen the relationship between indigenous communities and the residents of Utah. And it is so needed. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that even just thinking about it brings a little bit of healing as the runners travel through the state bearing the, the goal and the prayers and the motivation to bring healing so even just talking about it helps me drop a little cortisol it's it's awesome you have runners from all over the country jacob crane uh who do you want to shout out you probably want to shout out a few of your runners yeah i want to shout out uh chase hobson michael charles wilson a teen uh let's see here well we have mcmara montgomery and lawrence and Carol and everybody else. <laughs> well, you know, you're you're probably um, talking into your phone right now at the side of the road on the way down. Maybe you could um, put it on speaker and open it up and have everybody in the car just say uh, hello in their traditional language, and it'll be chaos. But I'll love it. You willing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can have. I could put the phone on speaker and have everybody say hello in their traditional native language. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Tanitara. Uh, Please. All right, that's everybody. Oh, 
there's something about just hearing those voices speaking those languages that also brings healing. Um, yeah. I kind of wish that the relationships and there was enough healing for Moab to be able to sing, um, you know, a song to you. Maybe we can arrange it. Hmm. If people are interested in seeing you as you go on by and giving you a love shout out, um, a thank you shout out, how can they do it? When are you going to be in Moab? We should be running into Moab. I would say Wednesday morning, we should be getting to Moab um, around between 10 and 11 a.m. in the morning on Wednesday. (laughs) I'm sorry for laughing, but if somebody said you're going to run to Moab and you're going to get there (laughs) at a certain day and time, I just... So, okay. (laughs) Well done, runners. Wednesday morning, we will uh, alert the community if we... Uh, can hear from you and you can let us know. We can give people a heads up and maybe greet you as you come through. Are you pausing in these communities and a certain few select communities to either eat or rest? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. I was wondering if you were pausing in Moab or in any select communities along the way or are you just jamming through? Uh, we are spending the night, the first night, in um, Bluff tonight, and then tomorrow night we'll be in Monticello. Wednesday night we'll be staying in Moab. Yay! And so we will be um, in Moab Wednesday night, and yeah, we're going to be having lunch at the Full Circle Intertribal Center, and um, that will be at noon. So that's just located by, I think it's downtown Moab, actually. It is. It is. And so great. I... I love that organization so much and uh, it'll be a great lunch. I just feel as if there are others in the community that that might like to, you know, wave their praise on you. And so Wednesday, we'll just know that you're in the neighborhood. And if there is uh, any kind of meeting or press release or anything like that, that you want to let us know, we'll pass it along. And um, hug you from the side of the road as as you're here. Yes. Uh, What else do you want to say about Salt Lake City Air Protectors and how that organization winds up uh, partnering in such a strong way to bring endurance to the healing journey that we're on? Well, we're an um, environmental-geared organization with supporting indigenous stewardship, and we, we love building strengthening relationships between indigenous people and non-indigenous people and we're heavily involved with a lot of community projects within the state and so this is just another community project that we really believe that will help uh, build those bridges and so um, you know anybody's welcome more than welcome to um, visit our website uh, slcairprotectors.org or they can follow us on instagram at slcairprotectors.org and they can also follow the run at running as medicine so yeah excellent a, a couple more questions are you a runner uh yes i'm a runner i've been running for some time now and i've i've taken a couple of years off uh back and forth but i do enjoy it and when i was in high school i was a runner and when i was in my early college days i was a bit of a runner too so and the tradition for uh, uh 
many, many tribal members, especially the Zuni. I'm familiar with Zuni runners. Um, is there a tradition or a sort of value around this, around running, um, that that extends beyond these kind of projects? Well, it's, it's an integral part of who we are um, as indigenous people. It kind of connects us to the earth. You know, running has kind of done that for a lot of folks. And there's a there's a, a, a healthy living or, as we say, a wellness aspect to running. And so I know in the, the Navajo, uh, Navajo uh, culture, you know, they get up every morning, they run to the east where the sun rises. And within my culture, you know, runners were... Um, seen as messengers, so they were the, the ones who would take the message from tribe to tribe, community to community of what what was happening, what was going on. So there's a lot of um, deep, deep connection there with um, the running, um, the Native American running community on the deeper um, importance of what their what their job is and what they do. And being able to kind of ground with every step and um, and connect. Yeah. Mm. Nijoni is what I would call it if I'm yeah, yeah a beautiful thing yeah. uh, is there anything else we want to tell the people of Moab if there is any kind of message whether it's uh, how we can appreciate the air uh, come and see us anything anything you wish Jacob Crane uh, the SLC air protectors are really happy to announce that we are going to be having a powwow in Moab the second weekend of September, Saturday and Sunday, and hopefully we'll continue building those relationships and uh, friendships with the, the community of Moab. And I want to thank uh, the mayor, Emily, for welcoming, welcoming us into her city. And I want to give a shout out to Kristen from Full Circle Intertribal Center as well. And we really look forward to working with the community and building those uh, relationships even more. So thank you so much for your time. Mm. And yeah, we're very, very pleased to be welcomed on air here. We're so grateful for what you're doing to bring the medicine to the people uh, sincerely. And they are accepting, you are accepting uh, support, donations of more than just the thank you variety. You wouldn't mind a little bit of gas money. So if people are interested, you can just look up uh, I think on Facebook, SLC Air Protectors, and there will be a couple of links about how people can uh, help you. In fact, I think even your PayPal's info at slcairprotectors.org. I don't mind uh, letting people know that there is a quick way to help you out. Yeah. 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 Info at slcairprotectors.org is our uh, PayPal, and our Venmo is slc-airprotectors. And anything helps. We're really uh, appreciative of any support we get. Yes. Well, uh, everybody in Moab feels the same way. Thanks for gracing us with our presence, with your presence, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Um, safe stepping in every way throughout this terrain. And thanks for giving me a call today, Jacob. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Jacob Crane and the SLC Air Protectors and a wonderful, wonderful conversation about the medicine that can come just from the old left, right, left, right. We have a little bit more time today, and I want to close this show here on KZMU Today This Week in Moab with a very heartfelt happy birthday to Jim Jones, local 
almost a hundred-year-old person. Today he turns 99. So anybody that knows good Jim Jones, send him the wish of a very happy birthday. Also today, guess whose birthday it is? (laughs) Taj Mahal. It's true. Now, I don't know how old he is, but he loves Moab. I had a conversation with him. There's no time to actually play you that full interview right now. But what he loved most of all about it was the kind of free and easy feel of the people that are here, more even than those crazy rocks. That's what he called them, crazy rocks. Uh, The crazy sweet people. Me too, I have to say. Love you, Moab. Thanks for keeping it tuned. KZMU 90.1, 106.7 FM. I'm Christy.